Today is indeed the first Sunday after Christmas, but we are still within the 12 days of Christmas. As Jamie said, we're on the seventh day, and the 12 days of Christmas carry through from Christmas Day all the way to January 5th. So we can still say Merry Christmas until midnight on January 5th. <laughs> after that, war be unto you. Well, some of us already have what I call the Christmas hangover, and others are beginning to get the post-Christmas blues as we start thinking about getting back to school and to work. Today, the word that the Lord has impressed on me to share with you is about the real meaning of Christmas. And so the title of my sermon is The Ultimate Gift of Christmas. One of the things I've pondered over Christmas is that we have adopted traditions that sometimes make us lose the focus on the real reason for Christmas. I checked the, most, the 20 most popular songs, Christmas songs in the US, and quite predictably, none of them was about Jesus. And none had a Christian theme, never mind that Christmas starts with the word Christ. You'll be surprised, or maybe you won't, that White Christmas by Bing Cosby is the best-selling Christmas single of all time, with over 50 million copies sold. It's followed by Maria Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Now, the problem here that the you is not Jesus, although it would make a lot of sense if it was. You have other songs like Last Christmas by Wham, also topping the list, and it's talking about a broken relationship. It says, last Christmas I gave you my heart, and the very next day you gave it away. So if you look at most of the symbols that we embrace about Christmas, most of them, or many of them, do not point us directly to Jesus. And yet he is the very reason for the Christmas story. If you ask most people what they look forward to during Christmas, it's the decor and the lights, the food, the family, and most important, the gifts. The gifts under the Christmas tree and in the Christmas stockings by the chimney tend to be the highlight for most of us. Let's be honest, me included. We look forward to those gifts. We want to know what's there. We're excited about it. We go shopping. We're all over the place. Christmas brings excitement and joy as families gather, exchange gifts, they eat together, and probably also argue about one thing or another. I'm sure you all have your stories from the Christmas lunches and dinners. But two symbols have come to characterize the Christmas tradition across the world, and these are Santa Claus, or Father Christmas in some traditions, and the Christmas tree. These are the two biggest symbols of Christmas. The Christmas tree, which is, only came into use in the 16th century, is used by many people, even non-Christians, as the symbol for Christmas. And many people, many secular places, many non-Christians use it. And, uh, you know, in the offices we work, and many people say, let's put a Christmas tree to celebrate Christmas, so long as it has nothing religious on it. And Santa has become the cultural icon of Christmas. He's the most popular person around Christmas while he's basking in the glory of somebody else's birthday. 
many people associate tend to associate Christmas with Santa more than with more with Santa than with Jesus for example you don't see many people or anyone dressed like Jesus taking pictures with children <laughs> that does not happen so we have taken all these things we take the cheer of Christmas and somehow we associate all these things with it and it's very easy to lose the real gift of Christmas the real gift of Christmas is often ignored even by the best of us it's not found under any Christmas tree and it's not found in any chimney stocking and it's not found in any department store I was listening to radio recently and was reminded that if you don't have Christmas in your heart you will never find it under a tree the Christmas story starts in a manger but is really fulfilled on another tree a tree that is plain a tree that is only speckled with red because of the real character of the Christmas story Jesus shed his blood on it therefore fulfilling the mission of Christmas and on that tree that old rugged cross we do not need to put any lights on it because it hoisted the light of the world so that our darkness could finally end and in the gospel reading for today in Luke chapter 2 verse 11 we read to us that unto us a child is born this day in the city of David for unto us is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord this is the real reason for Christmas the real reason for Christmas is salvation Jesus was born to save the world he wasn't born just to look cute in a manger like some of the pictures make him look he had a bigger mission in being born on Christmas Day or what we call Christmas Day he was born to save the world for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life this is the real message of Christmas It's the reason why we celebrate that we are appropriating our salvation we celebrate the coming of Jesus we celebrate the mission of salvation for you and for me this is the real gift of Christmas it's not under a tree the real gift of Christmas was on a tree with arms stretched out offering himself for our salvation Christmas then takes on a different meaning the Christmas story does not end in a manger it actually starts way before the manger and it goes through the cross and it ends in our hearts we get saved and through Jesus God gives us the ultimate gift of Christmas as you look for Christmas gifts under a tree as you look for Christmas gifts in stores as you look for Christmas gifts all over the place the real gift of Christmas has already been given to you in Jesus Christ and against this background I want to use the epistle of st. Paul to the Ephesians to try and explain what it means to have Christmas in our hearts to understand the depth the privilege the preciousness of this gift that we have been given on Christmas and we go back to the central character of the Christmas story Jesus what does it mean to have Jesus why is it so important why is it a big deal at Christmas 
Now, Paul wrote the epistle to the Ephesian church while he was in prison, and the letter was addressed to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. It was a letter to the church, and it applies to us today. Ephesus was a very interesting place, to say the least. It was the supreme metropolis of Asia. It was the financial and business capital. It was rich in culture. And it was kind of like New York and D.C. kind of mixed together. And Paul had established a church there and had spent three years serving in that church. And great things happened at Ephesus under the hand of Paul. People got saved, baptized, delivered. People were filled with the Spirit. They spoke with other tongues. And we read about all of this in Acts chapter 19 and onward. We read that the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The church at Ephesus was influential, it was thriving, it was impactful, and there's a lot that we could learn from it. But Ephesus was also known for its moral decay, propelled by the worship of a pagan fertility god, goddess named Diana. And this was a major problem and a challenge to the gospel. Something was happening in the popular culture in Ephesus that made the Ephesians lose their first love, as we read in Revelation chapter 2, when they're writing the letter to the church at Ephesus. And God calls them to repentance. It's quite like what popular culture has done to us today regarding Christmas. It's turned into a huge commercial enterprise and turned many people away. People taking Christ out of Christmas our first love slowly fades away, even when we had, we're doing all the right things, and it's so subtle, we don't even notice it. Jesus just disappears from Christmas, and we don't know why we celebrate Christmas. It becomes about the lights, it becomes about the decor, it becomes about the other gifts, and we ignore the most important gift of Jesus Christ. So Ephesians chapter 3, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, reminds us about who we are and whose we are and what we have in Christ. The emphasis here is that everything we shall ever need is found in Christ alone. He's our all in all. Jesus is such a gift to us. And when we accept him in our hearts, we immediately enter into the security of his presence. All things become new when you receive Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christmas is an invitation to receive Christ. It's another opportunity all the time we talk about Christmas, it's an opportunity to receive Christ. That's why we sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Not let every tree prepare him space. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Jesus may have been born in a manger, but he lives in the heart. That's where he needs to be. And if you don't have Christ in your heart, you're not going to find him under the tree or in the stocking. The 12 verses of the epistle that we read was read to us 
capture the united working of the Godhead for our salvation. And if I were to summarize it, I would summarize it this way. That we have been chosen by God the Father, we have been redeemed by God the Son, and we've been sealed by God the Holy Spirit. This is what our salvation is. We are galvanized in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I like the verse that says, for you died and you're hidden in Christ in God. Just imagine those layers. We're hidden in Christ in God. This is the position that we have in Christ. This is why Christmas happened. This is why Christmas matters. So Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Our blessings, spiritual blessings are in the heavenly places. What this means, literally, our blessings are out of this world. We need to understand that while material blessings are important, and we shouldn't endure them, whether it's food, shelter, clothing, we do need we do need material blessings. We do need to have a church building. We do need to sit on the pews. We do need to have a nice-looking church. We need money to do mission, to do all the other things that God has called us to do. But while those are very important, we have the imperishable gifts that are spiritual and are of far greater value, and we should embrace them. Verse 3 makes it clear that you are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. When you accept the, the gift of Jesus Christ, you are truly special. The blessings are ours, but we have to appropriate them. Uh, Michelle and I tend to walk uh, usually on Saturday mornings to pray. And we, in our community, we have something that's quite interesting. Most of our neighbors, like, have, they have fruit trees. We've got one that has got apples, and in the summer they're really looking nice. One has got pears, and, and during this season, there's one that had persimmons, and they were just, they looked delicious. I mean, the tree was almost collapsing with all these persimmons. And the only problem is that no one picks them. And we try to justify picking them by trying to guess, is this a, is this a public tree or it's not a public tree? Can we pick them? But the Lord is giving, should we take? You know, and all sorts of things. Uh, but we decided to go and knock at his door and say, you know, we will help you to pick all these persimmons. We'll take some and we'll put some out for other people to also enjoy. He had such a blessing. He has a blessing of all these persimmon fruits on the tree. He does not pick them. That's the same thing that happens to us. We have all these spiritual blessings that have been given to us in Christ. We don't appropriate them or we don't understand them. Here was this man, and I've still not given up. I'm still planning to go and say, next year, if you need somebody to take care of your tree, we could come and help you. Put the, you know, I prepared my ladder and everything. I was so sure I was going to open. He didn't open. But I want us to see, what do we have in Christ? What is this treasure? What are these spiritual gifts that we have in Christ? Why is it so important? Number one, the first thing you notice is that you are chosen. You and I are chosen. It's good to be chosen. You know, you need to understand this. My son is on a soccer team, 
and uh, when he's chosen in the first 11 to play first he's excited because you're chosen you're special you're chosen. actually the word that is used for chosen there is ex laxato which means chosen out of you're chosen out of you're drawn out i feel special to be chosen you are special you are chosen the bible says we are a chosen generation we're god's own special people chosen i want to be chosen i'm already chosen you're already chosen but we're not chosen just for the sake of it it says we are chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love holy and blameless we're chosen to be holy and blameless how is that possible it's only possible in christ jesus he makes it possible but more astounding for me about being chosen in this verse that we read it says before the world began you were on god's mind he had you in mind he he planned for you way ahead of time before your parents came before they even said let there be he already had you in mind i feel really special to relate to this god chosen by god before the world began he was determined to love you no matter what i'm going to love this person i'm going to make them holy and blameless before me and i will do that through jesus through christmas i'll make sure jesus is born he can die for them so that they can be holy and blameless we become holy and blameless not because of what we do but because of what jesus did the second thing we see that he says you're predestined and predestined comes from this word prurisas which means determined beforehand god determined beforehand that he would adopt you into his family according to the purpose of his will we are adopted in the family of god we become his children and he immediately when that happens we can take on the fatherhood of god the father we can call him abba father he becomes our father it's great to have a heavenly father but it's even great it's great to have an earthly father but it's even greater to have a heavenly father who is always there for you who thought about you and thinks about you all the time adopted means we have direct access to god we enjoy the same privileges as anyone in the family we enjoy the privileges of jesus we become his children and we are both referred to here female and male as sons in the sense that we become heirs that inherit the blessings of our heavenly father we have such a rich inheritance the third thing is that you're accepted in the beloved you're accepted when you come to jesus he accepts you we're accepted now most of the things that we try to do in life is to get acceptance usually when we're dressing up for the day we're thinking about whether this will be acceptable will i be acceptable we like to be accepted i was just thinking uh you know this morning that if you came to church uh, and jamie and i and uh, and abigail are standing at the doors and uh, we look at you and say sorry you're not accepted here how would you feel but jesus says you're all accepted all of you 
all colors all creeds all peoples you are accepted in the beloved you're accepted in Jesus and more than that you are redeemed in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses or the forgiveness of our sins I don't know about you but I really like being forgiven every time I mess up which is quite often uh, as you know uh, when you're, you're married you're bound to mess up uh, if you don't mess up in marriage you need to come for prayer Jamie and I will lay hands on you so that you can mess up and learn how to be married properly so I mess up all the time but I like being forgiven it's a great feeling when my wife forgives me when she says I've forgiven you and I want her to say those words I've forgiven you I don't want her to just say it's okay I want her to say I've forgiven you it's great to be forgiven and Jesus forgives us and not because we are good it, he forgives us because he has lavished upon us his grace it's because of his grace it's according to the riches of his grace we are forgiven you have been lavished with the riches of his grace lavished that's the word it's like I will forgive you no matter what if you come and ask for forgiveness I will forgive you that's what Jesus does for us and then we've been given an exclusive access to the mystery of God's will it says making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth God has given us the blueprint of salvation through his word and we know in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God he was with him in the beginning Jesus is the word of God to us given to us on Christmas Day that's why Jesus came the other thing we have is that you have obtained an inheritance it says in him we have obtained an inheritance having predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were first to hope in Christ may be to the praise of his glory we have an inheritance and it's already ours it doesn't say you will have an inheritance we already have it we have already obtained it but we need to appropriate it now Michelle has a godmother who lives in London in England not in London in England she lives actually in Milton Keynes and she is very nice because she always sends a check for Christmas her birthday I'm like why don't I have godparents like that <laughs> but so she sent her a check uh, and uh, for, for Christmas the only problem is that it was in pounds sterling and you know it's the check is hers and but it only becomes real if she appropriates it now I can tell you she's got the money it's there on the check but she needs to appropriate it so she went to a bank and tried to get it and she was told uh, we don't do pounds here because we hate the British no I'm kidding <laughs> She was told we actually cannot cash this because it's in pound sterling we don't do that here we would have to send the check back and all this now it's still Michelle's check she still has the money it's hers 
But until she appropriates it, it doesn't become real. And this is what we need to do. We need to appropriate what Christ has done for us, and then it becomes real in our lives. We have inherited something. We have an inheritance. And then finally, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. To crown it all, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is the check. It's right there. The guarantee. We have the Holy Spirit. We are guaranteed. And the good thing, it's, it's not really a down payment. It's the full payment already. With a promissory note, you have the Holy Spirit. You will have your inheritance. Everything I've said here is true. And the evidence, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. All these gifts, all these blessings are yours and mine in Christ. And this is really at the heart of the message of Christmas. Christmas is all about the gospel of our salvation that is talked about in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Everything I've said today is about us being in Christ. And when you receive him in your heart, you will immediately appropriate what he planned for you before the world began. You cannot have the true meaning of Christmas without Christ in your heart. You cannot. And so as we end this year, as we think about the end of the Christmas season, I want to invite you to receive the most precious gift that you may have missed during Christmas. I invite you to accept Jesus in your heart. I, I invite you to make room for Jesus in your heart. I invite you to just receive Jesus and to accept all that he has done for you, all that he's doing in you, and all things will become new. That, my friends, is the ultimate gift of Christmas, the gift that changes everything, the gift that comes straight from the tree into your heart and lives there with you forever. Will you accept Jesus this Christmas? He's given to you on Christmas. He's going to be given to you every Sunday we come. He's given to you in the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time you receive communion, we're saying we give you Jesus again and again and again. He's the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus, the ultimate gift of Christmas. Let us pray. Father, I give you thanks for these saints that are gathered here today. I pray that you may give them the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which you have called us, and what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe. May you be magnified and glorified in the year that's ending, and may you be magnified and glorified in the year that lies ahead. All to your praise, to your glory, and to your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.